What up, what up, what up? It's the Kyle and B Show back again, baby. Back again. <laughs> We're coming in right now. I feel like on a high, man. It's Ooh, beautiful. Beautiful. As always, man. Springtime. Springing forward, you know? Is that right? Well, I think spring forward was like the, about a month ago, bro. You Have you have you updated your clocks, B? Have you updated the clocks? Oh, no. Nah, you know, I don't update no clocks. <laughs> <laughs> Do I even look at them? Oh. No. Nah, you know, it's all automated these days, you know. I'm on the computer, I'm on the phone, it does it himself. He say all his customers wake up when he wakes up. So <laughs> he wakes up and that just tells the rest of the world, all right, he's up, let's get up now. <laughs> oh yeah, they think I'm a robot or something. Running on software. <laughs> right. <laughs> I need to upgrade my firmware, you know. Oh man. Don't tell me you the guy who waits like a month to update the clock in your car. Don't tell me you're that guy. I don't even look at my <laughs> clock in my car. Oh. It's probably on 2015 or something. I don't know. Yeah. By the time you see that clock, you're already late. <laughs> already. You know, I'm in trouble if I'm looking at that one. I'm in trouble. Man, I'm one of them people who set the clock car like five minutes fast, thinking it's going to make me more on time. <laughs> but hey, but then I realized that if I'm late getting in the car, I'm already late. That's not even... <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't help me at that point. You're definitely not a speedster on the road. I can tell you that. No, no, I'm not a speedster. You know, I'm from the Midwest where I drive way back, laid back in the Maybach. <laughs> he got that lack with them Vogues. With diamond in the back? Nah, nah, you know, I ain't got the lack. Actually, I drive a Toyota, a Lexus. I drive a Lexus. Oh, that's what's good. You already know you clean. Oh, yeah, you know, you know man. You keep it clean. I do what I do. That, that bad boy back give me 13 more years, though. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I thought I was bad. I thought I was bad. Hey. I better get 13 more years out that Lexus, boy. I'll try to get every penny. I know that's right. Squeezing them, boy. You try to get every drop. Turn it upside down. <laughs> hey, I told my 10-year-old son, I was like, hey, this is going to be your car in high school. So we holding on to this one. I done paid it off. I don't want no car note. Well, he know he going to be G'd up. He going to be G'd up. But here's the problem, though, B. It's going to be 2025, 2026, and he's going to be driving a 2006 Lexus. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't even had to. I ain't even had to compute that one. That just sounds far away. That's what he was getting right there. But hey, man, he gonna hold it down. He already. He got it. He got him. Riding heavy in that. He got him. You keep it clean. It's gonna still be riding smooth by that time. Hey, man, gonna ride great though, for real. That's the intent. Because I do not like buying cars. I do not like car notes. If I could pay cash. I'm happy. In fact, I don't even want to buy a house because of that, because I don't want a mortgage. I'd rather just make a ton of money and go pay cash. I know. That's right. You got way more control in your situation right there. Way more. That's an independent boss move right there. Independent boss move. That's what we're talking about, baby. That's what we like to do. Swish. How was your week, though? Turn around. Oh, speaking of Swish, you know, got up on that court. Oh, don't tell me that. Flex a little bit. You know, you're talking about that doing moves and doing spin moves with an ankle issue last week. I had to show you a little bit this week. I was like, let me get on that court. <laughs> Don't do that, B. Oh, oh, I did that, boy. I did that and, and more. Oh, man. How'd it go? How'd it go? You know, switched it on him. Is that right? Switched it on him. The J still falling? Oh, the J still falling. Got the quick move on him. You know, the Scotty Pippen pivot on him. Next thing you know, you reach him with the long wingspan. Oh, man. You know? Don't tell me, B. You, don't tell me you that guy who get on the court and go hard for like three minutes. Three off. Then after that, it's like, don't even give me the ball. I'm just going to box out. That's all I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I do know people like that. 
And you know, I learned my lesson in doing that because you ruin your reputation. Oh. <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> Don't want to do that. People might not want to pick you on the game no more. You know, they said, oh, man, all you got is three in you. Come on now. We're trying to run back to backs over here. So I try to get my wind up first. Oh, Lord, Lord, no. Lord, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always talk about business on this podcast, but uh, staying healthy. Everything is building. Awesome. Another good, successful week. Numbers are good. Can't complain, man. Wifey good. That's what's up, bro. How about yourself, man? Yeah, I, mean, I already know you got something to tell me. Oh, man. You know I do, B. You know I do. A couple big things on the horizon, bro. My son did his second track meet yesterday. I was out there for 12 hours, dog. Oh, my goodness. They got a team out here in Atlanta called the Jackrabbits. It's too many Jackrabbits out there. No wonder they call Jackrabbits. They multiplying, for real. Everybody want to have fun, huh? Everybody want to get in on it. Boy, it's too many. It's like 100 of them out there, man. It's like, come on, man. We trying to get through this. Every event, they got 90 people in it. It's like, come on, y'all killing me. You know damn well some of these kids should not be out here running track, okay? Football, maybe. But track, no. Okay? <laughs> don't tell me they all get an award for participating. No, no, they don't. But, you know, they, they do hand out medals for the top three, I think. And, uh, actually, my son got second place in the high jump this week. Ooh. For, he got his first medal. Ooh. Boy, he is, like, lit up, bouncing off the walls. As he should be. He coming in like that, pulling weight. First time high jumping, got second place. He's geeked up. He's ready for the next one. We got another one next week. Ooh. So, yeah, that's that's exciting. Well, I did the high jump back in my day. I had some hops. You know, everybody been back in my hood. No, they know cowboy. Who he get up? He can get up over you. I swear. Maybe used to call you leap year. <laughs> used to. 70 pounds ago. Used to. Born in the leap year. Feel me? Yes, sir. So that so that was a good that was a good deal for him and for us. You know, we all proud of him. He brought a little hardware home. We call that hardware. The other big thing was was on the business tip, man. I got a I got a something major developing. I talked about it a little bit last week. And I, I'm only gonna talk about it a little bit this week. We might have our first major pilot, first real pilot on the ground with a company here in uh, in Georgia, not far from Atlanta. So, Ooh-wee. yeah, that's starting to come together real smooth. Like in manufacturing, once you get that first one, then it starts to roll. And of course, the guy that sort of hooked it up, he's part of a nationwide organization. Again, nationwide distribution, Ooh. bro. So, yeah, baby, a matter of time from here. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a nice connect. You know, it's all about networking. Yeah. I feel like sky's the limit, bro. Absolutely. Hey, man, I feel like that too, big dog. I feel like it's a matter of time, man. To me, I don't see this as somebody who came up with an idea for a software. This is somebody who has been in this profession for 20 years. I got people on my team who've been doing what they do. And this is just the the next logical step in my career trajectory, seeing that the world is going toward technology, which kind of leads us in today's topic a little bit. But yeah, seeing which way the world is going and just saying, all right, I'm going to continue to improve a professional. If that's if that's what I am, if I'm living that truth, then I need to be leading the world into the future and not just responding to it. You know what I'm saying? You dig? Don't wait on nobody else now. Don't wait on nobody else. You better snatch it. I say any young person who wants to go where the world is going, get out in front of it. You see, you see a trend. You see a, a predominant pattern at a macro level. You know what I mean? Position yourself in, in place to take advantage of that and, and even lead the way, you know? Industry 4.0, baby, we're getting there. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. I can't let Jeff Bezos have all the money, dog. Let me get a little bit. <laughs> but, yeah, man, speaking of getting all the money, there's some big news on the horizon for some big economic moves being made right now, right? I think the House of Reps is in the process of passing and they already passed a law raising the minimum wage. I think 20 states, maybe more, mm-hmm. have already signed on. 
to increase minimum wage to $15 an hour, mm. bro. And keep it real, some of these states have a minimum wage of, of half of that right now. So this could mean a big deal for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to get your input on that. Mm-hmm. Where's your head at around that? Is this a good move? Is it a bad move? Mm-hmm. How are you looking at this? It's interesting, man. I mean, you know, it's going to be a long driven debate over how it's supposed to work. The balance of minimum wage and cost of living. And, you know, honestly, as an entrepreneur myself, I kind of understand the flip side to that. Obviously, you know, the pros with it, people that are making minimum wage or they're around, they're going to benefit from that just directly. Obviously, you know, going from 715 or 750 to 15. Obviously, it's a big jump. They got a really small slice of the pie, still small, $15 an hour. But, you know, hey, you got to live, man. And I think right now with the cost of living in most states, it's getting worse, especially on the West Coast where I'm at. Now, right. you know, you got states already. New York, California, Washington, D.C., Seattle, namely, like you said, probably around 20 or so. They already have it enforced, and we'll have to see how that's going to work for those states. For me, for the most part, I know what's going to happen is these companies go by a margin. It's just going to be a budget that they adhere to, and within that budget, it's just going to be larger slices, but less slices. And so when we look at it from a standpoint of a lot of positions are going to be turned into multitasking positions, right. people that aren't as specialized, unless that specialization, unless, you know, being a huge value for the company. If you're an order taker, if you're in customer service, if you're a server or waiter or those type of positions within a company, those are going to be automated. A lot of companies are probably going to take that and pass it on to the consumer. So as far as prices and on items, that's going to increase. And so it's going to affect where it's ebb and flow, where pay needs to reflect how much cost of living is going. But as pay rises, cost of living is going to rise and then it's back and forth. And so you want to definitely fight for the people to make sure people get paid with their worth. That's still going to be a fight even more so. Some people can negotiate a higher rate, right? Because if you got paid what you're getting paid today and then minimum wage goes up, there may be some wiggle room in terms of your negotiation. Maybe your value goes up where you're at just like in any market, right? It affects other tiers. If you feel like minimum wage is going to raise up, maybe an intermediate raise or a medium wage is going to increase as well. Mm. Yeah, man, I look at this in many different ways, right? So I think, first of all, the first question I ask is why is it that companies are able to pay so little and still get employees? You know what I mean? It seems like the wage market would automatic self-correct itself with limit minimum with the living standards, right? Cost of living. So basically lawmakers are getting together and saying, well, the market is not correcting itself. So we got to do something about it, right? That's essentially what the politicians have got together and decided. So the process I see happening from this is going to be first minimum wage goes up. Okay. Obviously companies can't just drop people on day one. They got to keep their business going, business continuity. Right. So they're going to have to pay more. Where's that money going to come from? Probably from the CEO's pocket, <laughs> right? Because there's a lot of people out there mad about how much these CEOs are getting compensated and owners and stuff like that. So some of these large companies, especially, they can't afford to transfer some money from the top to the bottom, okay? So the immediate right away effect of that, and maybe, I don't know if this is short-sightedness, but the immediate right away effect of that is going to be, you got people with more money in their pockets. Mm-hmm. Right. The people at the bottom, which there's a lot more at the bottom than at the top with more money in their pockets. So they're going to be able to spend more. That means more businesses are going to make more money. So essentially what you get is 
basically taking money out of from a few and giving it to the many. Okay, which I'm generally in favor of when it comes to government, especially take money from the few and give it to the many because then it'll work its way back up to the few because they have the business systems in place for that to happen. They built systems for that to happen. At least let the many play with it, have a little fun with it, though, in the meantime. You know what I'm saying? I generally like that kind of policy. But to your point, though, what happens next is the few, the rich, they'll figure out how to build more efficient business systems where they don't need to pay as many people at the bottom, right? Now, automation becomes justifiable, to your point. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Any type of way where you have budgetary concerns, you're going to adhere to the budget. You're going to cut bait where you can. And then, like you just said, as long as it doesn't affect your core business. Now, if you got things on the horizon where you're trying to expand, guess what? That slows that down. Now, we could look at, for example, we're talking small businesses, right? Small businesses, 62% of the private sector of America. Anywhere from 60 to 80% of the economy in terms of the job market, yeah. that kind of answers your question as far as how the workers don't have the leverage that they should have. It's because there's only a certain amount of people hiring. Those people probably don't know how to negotiate. They probably only have that job and they don't figure out ways that they can increase their pay whether it's at the specific places they're working at, at the same place, or they get another gig mm. and then get paid more at that. And then they keep job hunting and, and increasing their value that way. Yeah. Maybe they're learning different skills and they're using those things to increase their pay, increase their income. Mm. So yeah, that's, that, was my, that was my next thought, right? Because right, at some point, the minimum wage gets high enough where just right. where automation becomes justifiable, right? That's where people like me come in, technologists come in, right? Gotcha. Who say, hey, let me build you something, that a software that can do that for you. Now, what happens to the people that get displaced by technology? Okay. And that's a bit much bigger question. You know, if you listen to the, the experts, there's some who will say those people are just going to perpetually suffer, right? They're never going to find employment and they're just going to suffer, at least for a while they're going to suffer, right? Mm. Mm. I'm one to believe that people who want to work will find work. They'll find other things to do. You know what I'm saying? And there is a lot to be done, right? Put this in perspective, okay? Right now, we live in a world that's more technologically advanced than any other time in human history, okay? Let's just assume that's the case, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> in recent times, anyway. We don't know what the ancient Egyptians was up to yet. We're still learning. But <laughs> in modern history, we're more technologically advanced than we've ever been. At the same time, we have the lowest unemployment we've had in decades. Ooh. Yeah. How do you reconcile that? Right. We have all this automation putting people out of jobs, supposedly. But at the same time, we have high employment rates. Mm. Right. So my, it's my view that technology on the short term puts people out of jobs. But in the medium and long term, it actually creates new jobs. Think about like a, a social media marketer. That's a job that didn't even exist 10 years ago. But you got a lot of them out there now. So talent just kind of flows to the need. And there's always going to be needs. I can go through my house right now and call out 50 or so things that I would love to have somebody come and do. Hmm. But you also got to say, okay, well, it's up to the people that are seeking the jobs, seeking the work to basically become entrepreneurs or folks that are at the cutting edge of change. Because if they're not, then someone else is carving out their gig and how much they're going to get paid. Yeah. I would love for everybody to become an entrepreneur or or you know, join the gig economy or whatever it is. And there's increasing number of ways to do that. But I also feel like- I'm just saying everybody, because here's the thing. Yeah. It's for those that want to increase their pay. That's all. <laughs> you know, if you want to increase your pay, that's what you got to get. You got to get to the cutting right. edge. Either you are an entrepreneur where you're the one that's employing 
you're the one that's hiring or you're partnering, you are offering that service to other businesses that don't even quite see the need yet. You know, when you're an entrepreneur, that means you can pretty much sell or contract out your skills from that sense or to an investor. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have a business and employee, but there's different ways you fit in. How you move like that, you're ever changing in terms of your strategies. One year you might be holding down the job. Yeah. Next year you might be contracting out your skills as a more of an independent contractor. That's an interesting thought too. Is, uh, they say that now entrepreneurship is at a lower rate than decades in the past, which I find to be surprising. It seems like it's higher now, but that's maybe that's just my limited point of view from personal experience. But yeah, it says that entrepreneurship in general is going down. Less people are actually going out and starting businesses. That's interesting. Maybe because of debt, maybe because of various situations. But yeah, I think, you know, for an individual wanting to increase their pay, I agree with you. Entrepreneurship is the best way. Or even looking at yourself as your own corporation, you Inc. I guess you just got to find your your ideal, what I call product to market fit. If you look at yourself like a product, you got to find your highest and best use. Some jobs are very cookie cutter and they're going to force you into a, a lifestyle, a routine that may not be your highest and best use. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes that's what it takes is to be always on the lookout for either creating your highest and best use situation, which makes you an entrepreneur, or finding someone who has created that is looking for you because you are the best fit for that job or that scope of responsibility that needs to be done. On that note, though, kind of on that transition, to tie that conversation in with the business topic being, you know, when do you look to hire an employee to get something done? And, you know, yourself as an entrepreneur, someone who has many businesses in, in operation now and probably is going to create new ones as you see needs arise. You know, what's your trigger point to say, all right, it's time for me to bring on an employee in today's light where you know, minimum wages is going up. There's, there's technologies out there that could do jobs. Obviously, there's the option of doing it yourself always. How do you decide, considering all that, to go ahead and pull the trigger and bring in a new employee versus some of the other opportunities or options? An employee for me is is mainly someone who's a key cog in my operation. Mm-hmm. You know, you're someone that I could basically say, okay, you know what, I'm going to embrace you as, as a worker with my company, kind of show you, okay, you know what, you're with us for the long haul. We're going right. to give you some benefits. Right. We're looking at having you for a decade and more for the life of the company. That's how I look at it. Other than that, you know, many of my businesses are small businesses. They're classified as small businesses. And for the most part, we run it by partnerships and or tempered contract workers. We generally try to keep a pool of talent or service providers that we can go to at any given moment. And we keep them working. They have steady work, but they're not classified as employees. And I think part of that is it provides more flexibility. You could negotiate the terms at a liquid rate. It's more flexible in that sense. And I'm just being real. At the end of the day, it's just less expensive, less hassle, less weight. Hassle. <laughs> Trim down the company quickly, depending on the margin that I'm playing. And depending on where I want to kind of pivot to as a company, I could do that without so much red tape and much quicker. Most companies, you want to reward the people that are put in time and put in work with you. And so if these people are these people that are contracted out, if they prove that they're worth to me and I feel like, you know what, they're good workers, their performance is above average or they got a great work ethic, I'll promote them to an employee. Right, right. There you go. Kind of let them separate themselves and show that they're ready to go to the next level. I think a lot of people, they talk a good game, but then when it's time to hit the switch and they're on stage and it's time to go, they're not ready. And so a lot of times when you hire them as an employee, you know, you're in the bag already. 
locked in. Yeah, yeah. You sort of hit on it too, man. That's been generally my approach when it comes to finding talent and acquiring talent and looking at really bringing people on to be staples on the team is I would rather contract to them first, right? Give them a contract assignment and see how they handle it. For me, starting out especially, that's perfectly fine for both me and that person. Contract, you're typically going to pay a little bit more per hour, right. but you don't have to worry about health care and all the, all the stuff that comes along with employee. Now, listen, if two things happen, the business grows to a point where it needs a full-time person, right? To where now I'm paying this contractor for 40, 50, 60 hours a week worth of work on a consistent basis, right? That's the first trigger that says, all right, perhaps we should be considering a full-time employee, right? That's the first trigger, but not, not the deciding factor. Then you do a cost-benefit analysis to say, all right, the cost of this contractor versus the cost of employee, that's a quick math problem. Sometimes a full employee justifies out, and that's why the whole employee situation even exists to begin with, because the ROI can be there by bringing on a full employee. The other piece is who do you hire? I like your idea. That's what I find myself doing mostly, too, is letting a person come in on a contract basis and proving themselves out. It's like dating, right? It's like most of the people you date, 99.99% of them you did not marry. Right. And there's a reason for that. And, and a lot of times you can tell after a first date or a first couple months with that person that they ain't the one. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So contracting gives you an opportunity to vet that person to see if there's somebody you can go on a long, long trip with to another state or something in the car. Can you stand actually being with that person over extended time frames? And do you drive each other crazy over time or? Is there a good personality fit, cultural fit that's going to be sustainable over time? Like you say, do they do good quality work? Mm. Do they show up on time? Are they professional? You know, mm. all those things sort of reveal themselves in a contract engagement. And then you can decide, hey, you know what? This could work out great. Let's bring this person on full time. Sometimes they're happy with that. It means steady work for them. Sometimes contractors income is very unsteady, unstable. This is true. And sometimes the idea of steady, consistent work and pay is very attractive for them. But obviously, you know, it's got to be a win-win situation. But yeah, that's a great point. There's another arrangement that people are doing, almost like renting labor. Mm. I've had developing companies contact me and say, we're going to basically staff one of our employees on your project, and you can pretty much use them up until you don't need them anymore. Mm. Mm -hmm. Have you looked at those kind of arrangements where they're sort of augmenting your team for a set duration or even a flexible duration? I've been on part of it on both ends with someone sending in someone. And both me sending in someone as part of a you know software update or basically facilitate the transition, right? Mm. Or to give expertise, right? And so for me, it could be beneficial. You have someone familiar with whatever the project is and it helps carry out success in that situation. And so if someone offers that as far as someone that can help manage the project, oversee the project, be a consultant on the project, I'm all for it. And then, you know, hey, usually there's a cost associated with that. I have no problem in paying that, especially when the ROI bears out. I look at it like, hey, it's just going to help bear more fruit in the end. Mm, that's what's up. You actually mentioned once you bring somebody on the team, the intent is to have them on the team forever. That's something the Japanese, you know, I study continuous improvement, lean manufacturing and all that. The Japanese, like in Toyota, Toyota's early days, I'm not sure if they still do this practice, but they used to have a practice of lifetime employment. Huh. Do you see yourself as a proponent of lifetime employment? Do you see yourself continuing to use that model or is that something you practice currently? I definitely feel like you got to plan on longevity, right? I mean, if, if you're going to bring on an employee, you want to plan on a long term. Now, lifetime, I don't know if I really believe in that. 
I have a lot of changes in my life, so I don't necessarily mm. subscribe to lifetime. I think a lot of things change over over that span of time. Mm. I do feel long term because here's the thing: now you have the cycle of training. Yeah, a new person coming in. For me to hire somebody on that level, they have to have a lot of responsibility. Yeah, and productivity too, right? They have to be a multitasker. They have to pretty much have a lot of value and plug a lot of different holes. Two or three important holes, I, I would think. And if that's the case, they're going to have a lot of responsibility. And so if there's a high turnover from your employees, you have to train them up. Your employee development abilities are going to be put to work. And that's a cost to that, the time, and then you could quantify that. That's an interesting thought, man. And it really changes your perspective on how you treat people, too. You're going to treat an employee who you want to have around for a lifetime much different than you're going to treat right. someone who you would call a disposable employee. Right? And that's something that's permeated American culture is, is the products are disposable, but also the employees are disposable. Mm -hmm. You know, and mm -hmm. companies treat their employees as if they're disposable. And then they turn around and complain that millennials job hop too much. Right. Yeah. So Pick a side. Are you treating these people like they're lifelong partners of your business? Or are you treating them like you're trying to push them out the door quicker to see if they're going to last or not? <laughs> wow. People can tell what your intentions are. People can tell if they're truly valued by the company or not. And in, in my experience, a lot in corporate America is, you know, everybody smiles, smiles and uh, adapts for the first four to six months. Then after that, they're, you know, they're like, you're basically just a number. That's true. They treat you like just like you're just a number and, you you know, come to work and deliver. And if you don't, then we're going to come after you for one thing or another. Even if you do deliver, they, they're going to come after you. So wow. it's almost like they don't want to be there. So they try to push everybody else out, too. So in some cases. Ooh, that don't sound too good, man. No. Actually, you know what? That's one of the reasons why I left the job market. Ooh. I should say. Dang. Like you said, you got to play the politics. But at the same time, you still it's hard to get something for it. It's hard to leave with something. You know, they're using you. They're getting a lot of uses out of you. Uh, right. You're renting. What are you getting out of that over time? And regardless, they could treat you great, but that kind of would just blind the whole situation. It's still a balance of that. I think, you know what? A lot of these companies, if they treat them down and dirty, they already know that their position isn't worth a damn. You know, they already know it's not really valued as it should be because they realize people are leaving it. It's a bad cycle, right? Where they get a hatred almost for that position. Hmm. People would love it if you paid a little bit more or if you yeah. offered a little more, more benefits or right. maybe engaged them a little bit, helped them along, gave them a good manager. <laughs> That's powerful, bro. Nah. It's like you got somebody in the job and you're not treating that person well. Is it that you don't value the person or you just don't value the position they're doing? If it's a matter of the position itself you don't value, then why are you hiring for it? Mm -hmm. Don't bring somebody in a position, then you're going to treat them like they ain't valued. That's just going to create more toxic in the culture, more political behavior. People going to start real doing some real dirtiness <laughs> to keep their money, to keep their income. Mm, that's a good point. That goes into another conversation. And, you know, we really ain't got time to dive fully into this. I really don't. I just want to lay something out. <laughs> it's okay. around when you bring in somebody talented. But let's say that person isn't as polished as you, as you would like them to be, their raw talent. Is it worth the investment to be patient with that person, give them time to develop, even if it means some headaches for you, especially early on, knowing that at some point you're going to unlock that talent and unleash it? Or would you rather have somebody that's not as talented, just does a decent job? Average talent, but easy to manage and does a decent job. Mm, that's a good question, man. I mean, it's the old, the low ceiling high floor 
versus you know high ceiling, low floor type. <laughs> Honestly, you know, it doesn't even have to be low floor. It could right. Be, you know, average floor, but he has just that much more potential. Right. A little rough around the edges. You know, that kind of describes myself, really. Yeah, I think I fit into that, to keep it real, honestly. There you go. That person that has that spark, you can mitigate risk, right? You can put them in positions to be successful. And that's just really your job is if you consider yourself a leader, you got to put your people in the best position. Right. I can stand to get better at that. Best way for me to get better at that is to is to see the cost benefit right. at play all the time. What about yourself, man? <laughs> man, you know, I, I can get deep on this one, bro, but... I got mixed feelings, but honestly, if I had mostly just average doers, I think I still need a few stars. People who are maybe rough, need development, need coaching, need more time to polish, but got some real outstanding talent. You know, mm-hmm. I can use a few of those too, and because you can't have all those. <laughs> you don't have time for all those. You 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 only have enough time for a mm-hmm. couple of those, but I think you need, yeah. I think those players are critical. And I think those are the ones who really, you put the time in, those are the ones who really are leadership potential, I believe. But you got to invest a lot in them. You know what I mean? You don't just get a leader. You have to invest in future leaders of your company. That's big. I think. That's my take. But we out of time, big dog. You know what I mean? This was a great conversation. I appreciate you coming through for this one, B. Man, I had another thing to talk about, too, man. Oh, I had another something. <laughs> <laughs> you, you do this to me every time, B. Every time. <laughs> Every time, finger on the note. But you know, hey man, as always, man, you know I enjoy these. I'm glad you do, bro. I appreciate you coming through, man. Y'all know who it is: ATL Cal Las Vegas B, the same cat that brought you multicolored, double-sided sticky notes. You know, <laughs> multicolored sticky notes, my man. Ooh. Man, he over there glittering with the sticky notes. Uh, sticky the, note rich. The, the smartphone technology. <laughs> Also brought you two-way pagers back in the day. He was just getting started, so, you know, bear with me. <laughs> you still got a beeper, don't you, B? You still got that beeper? You know the, the transparent blue one you had in high school? Man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, glowing. That mug was fluorescent blue. Oh, man. You can see that mug through the pockets. That's crazy, but I want to reminisce about that, man. That's what we definitely grew up with, boy. Even if it was off. Even if it was off. As long as it had power, <laughs> you had a beeper. All right, man. Let's get on up out of here, though, man. I'll let you say the magic words once again. You know? Hey, man. Another great week. We'll see y'all next week. See y'all next week. And we out.